0: Welcome to Restaurant Influencers presented by Entrepreneur Media. My name is Sean Walchef, founder of Cali Barbecue and Cali Barbecue Media. In life, in the restaurant business and in the new creator economy, we learn through lessons and stories. Today, we have a very special guest, Jason Berry, the founder Principle of Need, Hospitality, and Design, a restaurant group located in Washington, D.C., one of the hottest restaurant concepts in the entire country. Super excited to have Jason on the show. Jason, welcome. Thank you for having me. So I like starting with our favorite random question, which is where in the world is your favorite stadium, stage, or venue? Uh,
1: Favorite stadium, stage, or venue? Uh, Probably the anthem. Uh, right them. next yeah right next door to our restaurant Mivita, on the waterfront here in dc okay uh, it is a beautiful venue it's been open for uh five years uh, okay just just probably this week five years um and it is a six thousand seat venue it has the best sound of any concert venue i've ever been to and it shares a wall with my favorite mexican concept mi Vita. so uh It's brought
0: us a lot of business and I've seen quite a few shows there and they've been amazing. The sound is just unreal. Beautiful. So we're going to go to the anthem. I'm going to convince entrepreneur. I'm going to convince Toast, our title sponsor of this show. And we're going to put on a hospitality conference, not like any ones that you normally go to, but one that people that listen to this show, people that are playing the game within the game, the best of the best. And I'm going to put you center stage and let you have your two minute elevator pitch to let to let the entire audience know who you guys are and what do you do. I look forward to it. All right. Here we go. Center stage. Mike is yours. I'm sorry, the, the two minute elevator pitch. I'm sorry. You're I thought, you were, talking about, this is I thought it. you were talking
1: about Ben. Sorry. We're,
0: no, we're here now. This is oh, it. So. I'm putting. So what, I'm, was,
1: what, what was the question again?
0: The question is 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 who is Need Hospitality design and Design? What are you guys building?
1: Uh, so, my partner uh, and husband, Michael Regenbogen, and I built Need Hospitality from the ground up. Um, we just celebrated seven years for our first restaurant. And uh, Michael and I have been running the company together for all this time and he focuses more on design and, and creation. And we I handle more the business and the finance and together we, we handle operations with our team. And over the last seven years, we've turned Need into a 14 restaurant uh, empire, I guess you could say, with uh, 10 concepts, 14 locations. Uh, we have bakeries that we partner with a wonderful bakery up in New York called Mazadar. Uh, And we have uh, a partnership with Swingers where we do all the food. Swingers is uh, mini golf, not the other kind of swingers. (laughs) And uh, then we have a bunch of, uh, we have eight full service restaurants, Southern, Mexican,
0: Tex-Mex, French, uh, Steak. So all sorts of different things going on. So I'm uh, very excited to talk to you. We're excited to, to put on this show. We're grateful that Entrepreneur, we've been reaching millions of fans all over the world across the podcast, the video, the articles. And for us, it's exciting to to find out what people are doing in different markets, and especially you know in Washington, D.C., to find out um, what your concepts are doing and how you're building your concepts. Can you bring me back to the beginning? What, why did you guys, why did you and uh, Michael, why did you guys branch out on your own?
1: You know, you spend a lot of time um, working for other people your whole career. And in this industry, um, I I had the pleasure of working for some amazing restaurant groups um, from, you know, being 15 years old and working at Pioneer Chicken in Los Angeles, which is like a Kentucky Fried Chicken, to Wendy's, to waiting tables, to to pay my bills throughout college. Um, You know, the hospitality industry has always been in my blood. And um, I think that it's a really interesting industry and it's um it's been uh so full of passion for us and i'm very very excited about what we're doing together here in in dc
0: do you remember the the first conversation of, of jumping off the cliff? This is a show for entrepreneur and yep. uh, we have potential restaurant owners that are listening or people that are trying to relate to restaurant owners. Can you, can you bring us back to, to that conversation?
1: Yeah. So I don't know that it was one conversation, but um, I used to run a restaurant company before Need called Rosa Mexicano and Rosa is a um, casual fine dining Mexican concept. And when I joined the company, we had three locations and I left them at 19. And, um, and I remember being at at National Harbor, which was, um, it's a development on the Potomac here in in Maryland, across from Alexandria. And it's uh, a big Gaylord convention center. and, And Rosa had the number one busiest restaurant there on the water. And I was at the time I was the regional manager when it opened. And then I became the COO and I was visiting the restaurant in, uh, 2013, I think. And I noticed that uh, a re- uh, the restaurant across the street was getting boarded up and closing, and uh, the guy that ran the development, Chris, he was literally locking the doors. When I, I'm like, "What's going on? You know, why did this restaurant close?" He's like, "Oh, you know, lots of lots of scandals, lots of issues, but we took it back." Then I said, "Who's going in?" And he said, uh, "We don't know yet." And I said, "Well, what about me?" And he, <laughs> wow. and he said, "He said, well, you run Rosa." And I said, I know. Uh, (laughs) And I'll tell you, it it was, it's like all the entrepreneurial juices that were flowing in me uh, were solidified that day. And I realized that if I don't do this, I'm never going to do it. And if I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it. And I'm never going to know whether I could do it. And you spend all this time working for other people, making them money. And you always wonder at the back of your mind as a restaurant owner, well, can I do this? You know, yeah. is this something that I'm capable of or do I need to, am I not creative? Can I not come up with my own concepts? Can I not create my own core values in my culture and for my company? And can I do all those things or am I a better, am I a better preacher for something else for an existing company? And that particular location, it got a little close, but then it kind of fell apart and they didn't want to upset Rosa, their, their number one tenant. Yeah. And I said, well, let's keep this confidential. And they said, yes, of course and that led to more conversations with the development and we ended up settling on a on a smaller place down the down the street that's uh, the home of our first sacatach location and uh, it took a while it took about a year to sign that lease um because they offered me some spots that were just not appropriate for you know I did not want to do twelve thousand square feet on my first restaurant so Twelve
0: thousand square feet that, no. would, that would be uh,
1: I think the definition of stupid um it's still stupid but it's it's uh, for it's your first still restaurant Twelve
0: thousand still stupid because
1: yeah, they had a they had a spot available and I said no I, I don't think we're gonna do 12,000 for restaurant number one but thank you yeah and um, we settled on a four thousand square foot restaurant uh down the street and uh that it kind of just uh you know I never knew that we would be where we are today. I never knew that we would have multiple concepts and multiple locations. I didn't know if we'd ever get past the first one, you know, just because, you know, I think we're good at what we do doesn't mean that we're going to be successful. You can be good at everything and still have a failing restaurant. Yep. Um, And it's an an incredibly humbling industry and a a humbling experience. But that was, I think, where my entrepreneurship sort of crystallized at that time. And uh, I remember like it was yesterday.
0: And now a quick break from restaurant influencers to share an exciting new offer from our sponsor, Atmosphere TV. Go to atmosphere.tv forward slash BBQ to not only get Atmosphere TV for free, but also our audience is given the gift of $200 in ad credits, as well as free activation. Join more than 40,000 other venues who use Atmosphere TV by signing up with the code BBQ at atmosphere.tv forward slash BBQ. Keep guests entertained with Atmosphere TV because you have the ability to turn your promotions and your advertisements onto your television with this platform. The simple plug and play device lets you take control of the content on your screens. Keep guests entertained, engaged, and informed of real-time specials, career opportunities, and announcements that you can personalize within your own custom content dashboard. Tap into great channels such as America's Funniest Home Videos, Fashion, Throttle, Chive TV, Sports Highlights, Red Bull, Real Madrid, along with unbiased news and entertainment. There is something for everyone. Over 60 curated channels of short form, entertaining content to choose from right at your fingertips. They also have an incredible ad supported network that allows you to not only market within your four walls, but also locally or nationally if you desire. The platform gives you full control to dial in your marketing efforts. Please go and visit atmosphere.tv BBQ and let them know restaurant influencers sent you. For you, what are the keys to, to having a successful restaurant? You know, the thing about our
1: industry is you have to be good at everything to be successful. You can't be really good at, you know, marketing yep. and terrible at hospitality. You have to be good at getting food on the plate. You got to be able to, you got to be good at training and real estate and lighting and music and design and service and booze and food. And legal, and uh, I didn't know anything compared to what I know now. And I didn't—I thought I knew a lot because I had been running, yeah, running an eighty million-dollar company. But I ran the restaurants. I didn't build the restaurants. I didn't create the Rosa concept. So it was a really humbling experience. You know, Michael and I were the co-general managers for the first eighteen months. We worked seven days a week for eighteen months. Yeah. And from going as a you know senior executive with a good sized restaurant company, living on an airplane and having a pretty good life and not having to work the floor too much. And, you know, to, to then being the guy in Expo, you know, seven days a week, six yes. days a week. And, uh, you know, staffing was not easy then. It's still not easy. But, you know, when you haven't been a general manager at that time, I hadn't been a GM for 10 years. Uh, it was uh, humbling. And. Uh, you also, I think as you age, become less patient with, with the BS. Yeah. And, and uh, so the whole process was very humbling and exciting and fun. I really loved it. But you know, when there's a flood in the kitchen, the pipes backed up and we have a private event going on and I'm just like, what am I doing? You know, this what is the dream? What do you
0: mean? This is the dream. <laughs> what is wrong with me? You know? and there's a um, lot wrong with us it's in our dna we can't help it oh
1: man <laughs> there's so much wrong and i wouldn't do anything else but it's in they say in most industries if you don't love it don't do it but i think that's ridiculously true for this industry yes. and um you know it's, it's in my blood i don't get to do as much of the stuff that i used to love you know taking care of people and seeing to their experience but i get to lead and guide a bunch of people doing that now and i i'm able to have a bigger impact by my reach but i don't get to do some of the fun things i used to be able to do so it's it's very it's very interesting
0: it's very different than it it used to be why need so it's need k-n-e-a-d need hospitality and design yes why why um so need
1: has a couple of meanings you know it's a it's Apply on the word need, N E E D, right? So you need hospitality, right? You need it in your life. You need it in your, in your, you know, for a restaurant company. We thought that was good. Uh, need is needing bread, right? Bread is sustenance. It's food. It's, you know, you can need dough and bread and and all sorts of different things. So there's a, there's a tie in the food. There's a tie in top to what you need. And it's, um, It was also the name of the first restaurant business plan we ever wrote. We had a little bakery cafe called Need that we never, that never happened, but it was uh, written in probably 2012 and it was a a silly little business plan, but it was the name of the restaurant. So it kind of stuck and it was, you know, the memory of the first inkling of entrepreneurship, even though that business plan never happened and we never found a site until the one I told you about came along. Wow, look at that, the seed. It was the need seed. the seed, and also there's and, and need. You know, there's a lot of different things from a from a marketing perspective. You know, you need to feed, you need to eat. Um, you know, there's a lot of different ways to tie marketing into the name of the company. And now that we have a bunch of concepts, we have been sharing the name more formally to create an envelope of of concepts, and and so people understand. Oh, if it's a need restaurant, then it, you know, operates this way, um, as opposed to focusing on Secotash or Mi Vita or the grill individually. You know, we've only had one restaurant it was Secotash. Yeah. And those were our first two locations of Secotash. And then we opened a Mexican restaurant. So then we can, you know, we weren't multi-concept for four years.
0: So sort of, it's evolved. So the intention when you first opened Secatash was the rest, there was no restaurant group. Was it was was Succotash that was that was the legal entity was Succotash. We had Need. We had Need. But you
1: did you already had Need. need. Yeah, Need was the manager of Succotash. Okay. And Need was Michael and I. Okay. And Succotash was our only restaurant. But we set it up with intention from the beginning to do more than one. Okay. You know, I I don't know about you know, there are people who are successful and make good money on one restaurant, but I think there are few and far between. Yes. With the margin, you know, you can survive, but you can't do well generally on one restaurant. Yes, And so you know, in our business, as you know, you need to have a bunch and that's when things start to get pretty good. If they're all running well and making money, then, then things get pretty good. But one restaurant is not, does not a wealthy person make unless you're, you know, you own Tao in New York or, you know, old Abbott grill in DC, you know, those restaurants do 30 to 50 million a year. Yeah. You can do pretty well in one restaurant, but those yeah. are, those are not very frequent uh, occurrences. So we always knew that we wanted to do many, but we didn't know if Sequitash would be the only brand that we did, or if we would do more things. Um, and we concept and create. You know, we name the restaurants. We create. We Michael designs them. Uh, we create them. We create the concepts. We we knew we wanted Southern food. We knew the demographic. We knew the area. We knew where we were. I knew National Harbor very well because you know we had a restaurant there for seven years with Rosa, so I knew the the clientele and I knew. area and i'm like southern food would do well here so we knew we wanted ribs and chicken and waffles and you know all the things that are on our menu we didn't know it would be korean influenced until we met edward lee who's our chef partner in sekotash pretty well known uh you know edward lee i don't no he's a james beard award winner uh, and does a lot of great charity work and and has been our partner in sekotash for a long time so he's korean so we have you know Collards and kimchi. Awesome. We have uh dirty chicken with a gochujang sauce and like a dirty fried chicken. So it's got it's it's southern food that you've never had before, but it's familiar, much of it.
0: So it's interesting. Food's good. So how how do you go about picking your chef partners? Um, you know, I think we're very location specific. <clears throat> so
1: um Edward was our culinary ad- we we reached out to a bunch of people <clears throat> So we knew we wanted to do Southern. So I reached out to a bunch of well-known Southern chefs and I figured if I can get a good chef who's well-known to sign on, it's going to be easier to raise money. And so just because we, we know what we're doing and we run restaurants and we you know, think we're really good at that doesn't mean that people are going to give you money if they've never heard of who's doing the food. Yes. So I reached out to a bunch of chefs. None of them returned my call except Edward Lee. And I emailed him. He still had an AOL email address. No way. Does yeah, This is amazing. And uh, he's like, that oh, sounds interesting. I mean, he was living in Louisville, Kentucky. He had three restaurants and he's from Brooklyn. And I didn't know if his food was any good. So we flew out to Louisville and went to his restaurants and <clears throat> we got drunk with him a few times. And uh, <laughs> we had a great time. And it turns out his food was amazing. And we said, Edward, we want to do this kind of food. Can, are you interested? He's like, sure, I'll do it. And he's seven years in. He's still our partner in, in Secotash, Secotash Prime, which is like our steak-oriented Secotash. And then we have a sort of a fast casual at swingers called Lil Sucotash. Um And so that, and then for the Mexican concept, um, our chef partner is a guy named Roberto Santibanez. And Roberto was a culinary director at Rosa Mexicana, where I worked. And so we overlapped for about five years. And we had We'd always been good friends. He left, you know, long before I left Rosa, but he has some restaurants in New York and we talked about doing something in New York. And then a uh, location in DC for Mivita, what is now Mivita, landed in our lap. And we said, Roberto, you want to be our partner and do the food? And he said, Yeah, of course. So he did that. And then um we told the so the Mivita's at the wharf, which is where the anthem is, the, yes. the concert venue.
0: Yes. And
1: strangely the wharf didn't have a a sort of an upscale american restaurant and we said you know you need one and they said well we want a steakhouse and we said well you should do a grill and they said well what's a grill well it's like a steakhouse but it has more variety it's not just you know oversized banquettes and uh, leather and dark lighting and men in suits it's (laughs) it's lighter area so they said, well, what do you want to call it? And we said, well, the grill. <laughs> and, and they said, okay. So they had this beautiful space um, and we didn't know who was going to do the food. And we mentioned it to Roberto, who was already our partner at MeVita. And, and he's like, well, what about me? I'm like, you, you don't do American food, you do Mexican food. He's like, I'm American. Just because I'm Mexican doesn't mean I'm not an American citizen. And I said, well, that doesn't mean you can cook American food. <laughs> And he said, why didn't you let me do a tasting? And so we said, OK, so he did the tasting. We thought, this is delicious. And so he's been our culinary director for that location. And then uh, we did a restaurant called Gatsby, which uh, we gave to an employee as the our first chef for Psychotash, a lady named Lisa, created the menu for Gatsby. It's basically a reimagined upscale diner. And uh, so we had an internal chef do the food with our direction. Um, and uh, so the, the newer concepts don't really have culinary directors from outside. Um, we have a, a Tex-Mex concept called Mikasa. We have a French bistro where we hired a guy who knew French food, but was not a well-known chef. So he did that confidentially for us. Um, and so it really, it really depends on the space. It depends on the concept. It depends on who's right. And now we have a good Rolodex of people, but are
0: you, now, are you a chef or are you? I'm um, definitely side? not a chef. So I don't, we own barbecue restaurants. So we have- you're on the business side. Yeah, on the business side. Right. So, so we, have a, we have a barbecue media company. We're trying to build the Amazon of barbecue. We've got a single unit location that now we have two ghost kitchen locations, stadium locations. We're, gotcha. we're trying to think differently about barbecue distribution.
1: <laughs> well, it's interesting because, um, you know, the, the people that that create these this food and these concepts it really just depends on on what what's right and yeah. w- what what feels right and chefs i love obviously i love cooking i love food and i love chefs but you know when you partner with somebody you never know what you're going to get true right and right. you know, everybody interviews well for the most part yeah and then you want to bring somebody in and put your career in their hands by handing them the cuisine for a concept it's a lot of risk. So if we can do some things internally, we're starting to do a little bit more of that. It um, doesn't cost as much. Um, yeah. but we also don't get the, the PR and the name brand of that chef promoting the restaurant. Yeah. But you, know, you, you see all over the world, chefs that are, that are licensing their brands or licensing a location or doing the food for a cruise ship or a hotel, and the chef's never there, and you know they're never there, and you know they haven't seen the food in months. And, you know, maybe the average guest doesn't know that, but we know that. Yeah. So um, I think you have to be very, very careful about who you partner with on on the chef side, because you really don't ever know what you're going to get. And chefs traditionally are not the best businessmen and women. You know, they're great at cooking and they're not always the best when it comes to the business side of things and everybody needs money. So if you're spreading yourself too thin, are you going to give that concept the attention that it needs? Um, But we've been really lucky. Um, and we, you know, we treat people fairly, we pay them when we say we're going to, and we pay them what we're, we said we're going to so that in this industry, people get burned a lot. Yeah. So we just treat people well. They're, they're very loyal because it's so rare that people are treated well.
0: And now a quick break from restaurant influencers to welcome our newest sponsor to the show. And that is Davo sales tax. Davo is an incredible company. I remember when we first opened up our restaurant in 2008, Cali Barbecue, we were struggling to figure out how to automate sales tax, how to have enough money in our account to file our quarterly taxes. I am so grateful that now today we have found Davo and they are a sponsor of the show and they are excited to help other business owners no longer have to become tax collectors. Davo does it all for you. They take care of the compliance. They take care of the collecting. They take care of the filing. Get your first month free by going to Davosalestax.com influencers. Let them know that we sent you Davo is an incredible company. We're grateful to have them on the show. They integrate with all the top POS companies, including toast Davosalestax.com influencers, automate your sales tax today and get back to running your business. Yeah, I, I I would love for you to talk a little bit more about that because it is a hot button topic. I mean, we're we're obviously in in the media business. We read media, we consume media, we see people talking about that there's no good people willing to work in restaurants anymore. Where's all the restaurant labor going? And for, for me, I will continue to say there's over seven billion people on this planet. If you have a restaurant, you can't hire somebody to come work at your concept, then the problem is probably you. It's not them, it's a you problem. Um, as far as for you and your, and your philosophy, how, how are you guys working through recruitment and retention? Um,
1: it's the, it's where I spend the most biggest percentage of my time is on our people. And how do you differentiate a restaurant from other restaurants? They all do the same thing. They have four walls, they have servers and food and expo and plates and forks. I mean, how do you how do you differentiate yourself from the sea of competition out there? Um, I will say it's a harder job market than it's ever been. True. Um, you know, I've been doing this a long time and I've never, the last couple of years, you know, since COVID started, as, as I'm sure you hear all the time, it's harder now than it's ever been. I think it's getting better now than it was, you know, a year ago. I think things are improving. Um, but there's a, there's a, unfortunately a lot of people who were in their you know, early 20s to early 30s were not very well raised uh, by their parents. And they don't have great life skills. They can't get, up, get to work on time. They can't manage the basic functions of being a human being in, in, in the world. So it's not that you can't find great people. You have to kiss more frogs to find the prince and princesses that are there, they're there. But instead of starting to hire two weeks before we start training in a restaurant, we'll start hiring four weeks before because we need more time to find the right people. Yeah. Um, it's very hard finding people. Um, how do we differentiate ourselves? We, we do, a, a first off, we don't beat anybody, right? We're nice to you. We don't yell, we don't really, I mean,
0: if you just- crazy. Treat That's a crazy this, idea, a hospitality company, treating, right? treating their staff hospitably
1: right? It, you know, you get what you give. Yep. One of our philosophies in our company is happy management equals happy staff equals happy guest. right? If you treat people well, they're going to treat, they're going to cook better food. Food just tastes better when it's made by people who are happy. Yep. I don't know why it's the same, same recipe, right? Yep. But it just tastes better. So I, we're not perfect. We make mistakes. We do stupid things. We try things that don't work. But we don't we treat our people well, and when you when you work in our company and you don't treat people well, you don't work in our company for very long. Yes, and I think that's number one, and I think most companies are adjusting to that. That are worth uh, working for. I think everybody's learning that. You know, we're not nobody's really throwing knives anymore, or plates, or <laughs> frying pans, and yelling at the top of their lungs at their team because because you could leave any any restaurant today and get a job somewhere else tomorrow, and they're not going to check your references right? And so the competition is fierce. People will leave you for a dollar. Yeah. Right. A line cook who's making 19, you look at him sideways, somebody offers him 1950, he'll give you no notice and walk out the door and you'll never see him again. True, Right. So there's, there's very little loyalty if you don't create that loyalty. And if you don't make people want to work for a company that does something better than just putting food on a plate or, you know, guests in in a restaurant. So um, number one, we're just trying to be good to people and live our core values. number two, we're, um, testing a, a couple of really interesting things. One is, uh, four days at work, which is a four day, it's like a four day work week, uh, which has been done in our industry. Not very successfully. Um, there aren't very many companies that have done it well or done it successfully. And we're testing it in two restaurants. It's called four days at work. And what it means is you're scheduled four 11 hour days at the restaurant. And hopefully you get all your administrative work done. But if you can't, you can do the rest of it at home or at the beach or in Mexico or whatever you want to do. So we're scheduling you four days in the restaurant and three days a week to go do what you got to do. Um, I think it's it's just our second store, second restaurant just started the test. Is this just so for manage? Just for management? Just for management? Yeah. yeah. Because hourly employees, you know, yeah, they can work yeah, yeah. as much or as little as they want. I wish they all worked more, um, but. Uh, So that's, you know, the restaurant where we've been testing it for six months, um, had a record summer and very little turnover and people are happy. Um, I think at the end of the day, there's not enough time in the week to manage your life if you're working 60 or 65 hours a week at a restaurant or anywhere. And you can either spend that. So I go back in order to have everybody on a four day schedule instead of a five, you basically need an extra chef, an extra manager in every restaurant. So assuming that those two people each make about, let's say 75 grand, you're at 150,000 a year in extra extra management labor plus benefits, plus food and whatever else. So let's call it 175, right? Yep. So am I gonna make that money back? Well, that's the, that's the question. But what am I gonna spend on recruiting, right? If I have, I, have a, I don't know, seven recruiters out there looking for people for us, They charge anywhere from 10 to 15% of the first year salary. Right. So if I hire a guy or gal who makes, let's say they make um, 75,000 a year, Mm -hmm. right. I got to train them for a month, right. That's eight grand. Yep. Before they're useful to me. And then I got to pay 15% to a recruiter. That's another, you know, 11 grand. Right. So I'm 20,000 in in expense before I know if this person's worth a shit. Excuse my language. Right. So, or I can spend that money on the front end and have a little extra management support, have a little extra cushion, keep people happy, make sure they don't leave. And guess what? The, The institutional knowledge of what you're doing and what we're doing in our company stays with the company. And what I mean by that is Let's say so. A couple of years ago, an assistant general manager of ours had been with us for three years, and he resigned during COVID. He's like, "I want to go, um, I want to go write kid, children's stories, and I want to travel the world." And those are two things I can't help him with. So he left, and he was with us for three years, and he took all the knowledge of our company with him. Mm-hmm. Right? And what do I have to show for it other than replacing this guy? How long is it going to take the replacement to get as knowledgeable about the way we do things? Just because you're trained doesn't mean you know anything. It means you know how to open and close and it means you know the table numbers and you know the staff, right? You know how to do the basics of your job, but you're not going to be great at it, right? You can't jump back behind the bar and support a bartender as well as the guy that left, right? So that institutional knowledge takes away what about the guests that walk in, the regular guests, and they don't see their favorite manager? You yeah. know, They don't feel as regular anymore. So I think that there's a lot of things that we can do to slow down the turnover and improve retention and improve happiness. Um, our philosophy is that if we're gonna spend the money, you might as well spend it on the people that work with you and keep them happier. Now, are we gonna be able to do this 52 weeks out of the year? No, I mean, there's gonna be vacations. There's gonna be things that happen. Somebody's gonna leave, somebody's gonna get hired. But if we can do it 40 or 45 weeks out of the year, that's 40 to 45 days per year that we're giving each manager and chef to do what they got to do in their own life. Yeah. And there isn't anybody else that's doing that. Not successfully. Danny Meyer tried to do it at Shake Shack and canceled it during COVID. You know, there's some small restaurant groups that are doing it, but we're not saying you're only going to work four days. We're saying you're scheduled four days and they'll do your other stuff at home if you didn't get it done in the restaurant. So be efficient and be smart get your shit done in the restaurant, then you don't have to work when you're not out of work. Um, the other benefits program we're doing is something called lifestyle, need lifestyle benefits. And basically we're giving everybody an expense account per month and per quarter to spend money on specific categories of things. And your the amount of money you get is based on your position or how long you've been with us. And it's from zero years to five years or more. And it's from you know manager to Director of operations and executives, and we'll give you money every quarter to go out to dinner. We'll give you money to go see a show. We'll give you money to get your hair done, to buy clothes, and it's about uh, the equivalent of about ten thousand dollars a year in income. Mm -hmm. And the intention and your gym membership. If you don't go to the gym, then you're not going to be able to get reimbursed for that expense because you didn't have a gym membership. And the idea is that we're we're incentivizing you to. Do things that are good for balancing your life. Yeah. Right. We're not just giving you an expense account to go do whatever you want. And you can't go to McDonald's. You actually need to go to a restaurant and sit down and be waited on by someone and learn something about the industry you work in. Yeah. Right. And so the lifestyle benefits have been going on for about six months and everybody's participating and they're really enjoying it. And, you know, maybe some people that need to go to the gym are like, well, I'm not going to get that money if I don't get a gym membership. Maybe I should go get a gym membership. And maybe if I have a gym membership, maybe I'll actually use it. And then it would be a healthier, happier person. I'll live longer and maybe I'll do a better job at work because I've got a little more balance. Um, so that's the other big benefits program that we're working on.
0: Well, I wanna thank you for your leadership and doing the things that are uncomfortable in our industry because that's the only way we're gonna move our industry forward is, is by groups like you talking about the things that you're trying to do. It doesn't mean that it's perfect, doesn't mean that it's going to work. But if we take care of our people and the people that are the leaders of our company, the management who often get overlooked, and I mean, there's so many things that have historically gone wrong in our industry for people. The amount of money that a bartender makes and moving up to a manager and how much we're paying managers and what's expected of managers, unless we're willing to have these conversations and they're messy conversations, unless we're willing to actually put these words into action. like. You guys are doing where you have case studies to say yes, this worked or this didn't work. Um, it really means a lot. So thank you for for leading with that. Uh, yeah, we're trying. We'll, hopefully, we'll be successful. The jury's well, we'll, still we'll, we'll, we'll we'll follow up and see see where we're at in five years. Um, once you guys get get over eight thousand, you've grown from three hundred employees to eight hundred employees in one year. Is that correct? Oh, uh, uh, let's see. I About
1: think we two were years? three. Yeah, I think we were three hundred when COVID hit. Yeah. That was our fourth restaurant, probably close to
0: 400 when COVID hit. And now we're about 900. 900 employees. That's incredible. So in two and a half years, added 500. So I'm gonna so. bring I'm gonna bring you since this is a show is called Restaurant Influencers. We talk about uh, companies leading leading with their heart, uh, their digital heartbeat. Uh, you have an Instagram account at Need HD, and once again, that's K N E A D H um, D. And I'm gonna take you to a post, and you put a Nelson Mandela quote. And it said, "Remember to celebrate the milestones as you prepare for the road ahead." Um, this was a post announcing baby London. Can you, can you, can you tell me about why, why, why is it important for you and Michael to share your innermost um, heart and love with the world? Um, you know, restaurant companies are so
1: focused on food and beverage and ambiance and lighting and pretty people eating in your pretty restaurants. But we wanna be, you know, it, it was, it's a tough decision, you know, whether you wanna let, let the world into your personal life, right? But uh, it's not often that it's not as it's very it's much more frequent than it used to be, but it's not as frequent that two gay men have a baby, you know, and if and I think the more you share, the more people understand that you are human and that you're not, you know, you're not living in some ivory tower, but you're real people with real issues and real solutions and real real life. And so. We believe that sharing a little bit more about who we are is humanizing, and helps let people understand that that restaurants are about people. They're not about buildings. Um, they're not about light bulbs. And uh, you know, we're so proud of our little baby, seven-month-old daughter, and uh, she's a handful and she's wonderful. And uh, you know, I'm a, I'm 50 years old, so I'm I'm an old dad compared to the average you you're know, an old you know, old
0: it, new dad. What's that. <laughs> an old new dad. You're an old you're new dad. New dad. Yeah.
1: yeah. So it's been it's been really interesting. Michael's 43 so he's 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 the more more appropriate aged father. But <laughs> I, uh, uh it's been it's been really interesting and uh you know if you don't do if you don't
0: share who you are and what you do then you're not really letting people know the real you. And I think that's that's why we do it. I'm so grateful for you and Michael for leading by example, I I talk to restaurant owners all the time. That's literally one of the reasons why we put on this show is to let entrepreneurs, restaurant owners know that it's not just about the food. It's not just about the building. It's not just about the community, but it's about who you are and who Mm -hmm. your family is, because every business is a family business and it's Mm -hmm. what we're willing to share. Like this is our hospitality my son, my daughter, my son's five, my daughter's three, my wife, like we post content on the internet and my friends that are in different industries, they have continued to give me a hard time saying, why are you posting stuff about your family? Why are you doing that? And I do it because it's, it, I don't have a business life and a personal life. I have one life and this is my life as a restaurant owner, as a barbecue media person, as somebody that's putting our life out into the world. And are there negatives to doing that? Yes, potentially, but My family understands that I respect our boundaries. Plus, I've cultivated deeper relationships with our community, not just with people here in San Diego, but with people now all over the globe because of all these tools that we have, because of these smartphones, because of TikTok and Instagram and LinkedIn and YouTube and you name it. But then Mm -hmm. you realize that like it's. The things that we're doing here in San Diego, we're just trying to build the best hospitality company and media company we can, just like you guys are trying to do in D.C. and now moving into other markets. Every village is the same. We're Mm -hmm. all trying to welcome like hospitality is welcoming people in that are strangers, Mm -hmm. letting them in, breaking bread,
1: making them them part of your family.
0: So let them in but it takes the courage. It takes the courage of you guys doing that. Thank you so much for for doing that leading by example. Do you have any any mentors, any people that you learn to reach out to? I think one of the things I try to talk about on the show is how easy it is as entrepreneurs, as leaders, and especially here as men that we don't do a good job of asking for help. It's ironic that the people in the hospitality business, we spend so much time helping others in service of others. Very rarely do we take help for ourselves or know that we need help. Have you asked for help in your, your, your restaurant career?
1: Um, yeah, you know, I mean, up until, I mean, listen, you always have a boss, right? So yes. whether you have a, a boss or whether you have investors, Yes. or a husband, or a wife, or your employees, or your bosses, you know, they're the ones that you're working every day for. So um, I wouldn't say that we're a, democr- a democracy, but I would say that we run a lot by our executive team We make our decisions, I wouldn't say as a group, but we definitely listen um, to what people have to say. And our, our executive team is incredibly bright and very, very, they very much understand what we're trying to do. And so by getting more perspectives, I think I think I don't I wouldn't say leading by consensus, but leading by opinion and learning to really embrace what people have to say. And I think I learn more because i'm I'm not um, I'm not i'm I'm very confident in what the decisions I make, but I'm not uh, immune to making mistakes. and sometimes I don't see things the way I should or I don't see what's right in front of me. And I try um but i think i think that sets a good example for other people there you know i have a an executive coach that i talk with once or twice a month um who who i've been talking to off and on for 15 years um who's you know sort of like an organizational psychologist yep um focusing on employee issues or management issues or leadership issues or things that i'm working on um and, you know i still talk, I have an advisor who handle helps me with uh, development, construction related things. He's just incredibly bright and, and can give me his two cents. Um, so I'm not, I'm really not afraid to ask for help. I'm, I, I may do, it, I probably do it a lot more than most because I really want to make sure I have a, a, a uh, well-rounded opinion. When I make a decision, you can't always get, you don't always have time to do that, but when you do take advantage of it because the times you don't, we don't,
0: I think are the times we make the biggest mistakes. That's great advice. So uh, anybody that's listening to the show, please join us on Wednesdays, Fridays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on the social audio app Clubhouse. Um, We've got an incredible group, a digital hospitality group of restaurant owners, but uh, we want to hear your story. So join us on stage. Uh, We have people that support this show, support the podcast. Um, We're grateful for you we also do a social shout out. So this week, social shout out goes to Troy Hooper of Nourish Brands. Every single week, he's showing up in the clubhouse rooms, doing the work, supporting the show. Um, I wanted to give Jason, I want to give you a chance, anybody on your team, somebody that doesn't get recognition. We have so many people, you have 900 people. Is there somebody that you can give a special shout out for that stepped up recently into so they know on entrepreneur.com? Jason, Jason gave us a gave me some love.
1: Uh, you know, we um, we we have a a month uh, quarterly manager or chef of the quarter, where they're called the star pick, and basically they're voted on by all the all the people at the main office, the home okay. office, and uh, this quarter that just ended was a lady named Barbara Howard. Barbara Howard. And- yeah, and Barbara actually used to work with me at Rosa years and years okay. ago, and then we didn't talk for probably I don't know seven or eight years, and then last year we were about to open our Tex Mex restaurant, Mikasa, and she got in touch and said, "Hey, I'd like to come work with you." Um, Look at that. And uh, Barbara has been a manager with us at that location for about a year, and uh, she got she got the star pick for the quarter, and she's just one of those people that kind of puts her head down, does the work but she's smart and she's great with the guests. She's great with the staff and she really understands. She's got a good eye. She understands what we're looking for and uh, I'm really, really proud of her and what she did and, and how, you know, she beat out all these other people that are amazing uh, for the quarter. And so, so cool. it's, it's a really fun, we send them on a big trip and, you know,
0: um, do some fun things as a, as a reward. It's about $2,000 $2, of, of excitement. So. Well, look at it's that, Barbara. Keep up the good work. Yeah, you never know. Things are full circle in this business. It's how you treat people. You never know who's gonna come back into your family, no matter where they go, where they go off and flourish. Um, it's always important that you know you treat you treat them you treat them the right way, and then it always comes back. So. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. If you guys want to reach out to me, it's at Sean P. Walchef, S-H-A-W-N-P-W-A-L-C-H-E-F. That's on LinkedIn, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all the fun places. If you want to connect with Need Hospitality and Design, it's at Need HD. Um, you can also find them on their website. You can check out all of the incredible restaurants they have, where they're opening up their next restaurants. Uh, me Vita is getting all kinds of incredible press. Uh, So keep up the great work, Uh, Jason, any, uh, any parting words for the, for the restaurant owners out there?
1: Um, You know, I think if if you're an entrepreneur and you're thinking about getting in this business and owning your own, it is um, often thankless. And often you'll second guess yourself and you'll wonder what the hell you're doing. And it is not for someone that wants a hobby. Don't open a (laughs) restaurant because you think it sounds cool. Uh, Cause it is, you will not be successful yes. and you will not be happy. And you'll, you know, I, I talk to people all the time that are thinking about opening a restaurant. I'm like, you need to run away from that idea, run. And really, you know, visualize whether this is what you want because you are asking yourself for a world of pain. Even if you, like I said earlier, even if you do everything right, there's a very good chance. You won't be successful. Yes. You know, are you willing to, 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 borrow money against your house or raise money from your friends or take a, a loan out that you're, you're liable for to test your hypothesis. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of people make that decision and have no business doing this. Yeah, There are times when I wonder if I have any business doing this.
0: <laughs> I've, I've yeah. wondered it myself. 15 right. years in, I still wonder right. it. I know, I know it's right. I know it's a beautiful pain. There's no other pain I'd rather have than this. No, but it's definitely not for everybody.
1: And I, I, you know, if you haven't grown up in this industry and you haven't done this, I talk to people that have never worked a day in, the, in a restaurant, and they want to open a restaurant. What are you doing? Why, Why? would you do that? <laughs> you don't know any. With all due respect, you don't know, know anything about what you're talking about. Yes. Just because you dine in restaurants doesn't mean you can run one. Truth. You know? Oh,
0: I know restaurants. I go out all the time. Okay. That is the truth. <laughs> it is a cautionary tale. There, there's, there's, there's unfortunately a lot, a lot of uh, most people actually, most people that that make that jump don't make it out. But if you do make it out and you continue to build, um, you can create some really cool, incredible things. And absolutely. Concepts. So absolutely. We're grateful for your time. Thank you for your leadership, for Jason me. and Michael. Uh, we can't wait to come visit one day, Washington, D.C. If you guys ever make it to the West Coast in San Diego, please uh, come check us out. And that goes for anybody listening to the show. You guys, are, you guys are family for listening to the show. Thank you for subscribing and sharing. You guys have a great week. Stay curious, get involved, and don't be afraid to ask for help. Thank you, guys. We'll catch you next week. Thank you so much. And a special thank you to our title sponsor, Toast. Toast is the primary technology partner that we use at our restaurant. Cali Barbecue is also the primary technology partner that so many of the guests have shared with us on this show. People like Sam, the cooking guy, Stacy Poon Jeff Alexander. So many times the guests tell us that they're using toast when we didn't even know that going into the interview. That is why we are so grateful that they sponsor this show. We want you to win. You that listen to this show, we want you to improve your digital hospitality. Toast is built for restaurants and it's built for you. Toast is the restaurant first platform that's built for your needs, whatever your size, concept or ambitions. Improve your bottom line with a customizable platform that's easy to learn, use and grow with. And it meets you where you are with all the right tools for your price point. If you have any questions about Toast, please DM me at Sean P. Walchef, S-H-A-W-N-P-W-A-L-C-H-E-F. I will get you the link to the right toast contact in your market. It's so important that if you listen to this show that you win. We want you to be on this show eventually. Let us know that you heard the show. You heard about toast. You implemented toast. You did a toast unboxing in your restaurant. Talk to us about how you've impacted your village, your city, your community. Share your toast story with us. DM me today to learn more and be sure to check out toast.